Welcome to Lumpin' Week in Review, the show that covers the past week of news, happenings, and programs presented on WLPN. This week, Lumpin' Radio spoke to a major Mexico City musical act, met a large-scale muralist, and heard from a leading mayoral candidate. All this plus the Trump Diaries and much more, only on the Lumpin' Week in Review for June 1st, 2018. Mario Smith spoke to Troy LaRiviere, the former CPS principal and current mayoral candidate, about the upcoming election. LaRiviere talked about what he sees as crony capitalism infesting City Hall and how he feels accountability must come to the city of Chicago. News from the Service Entrance with Mario Smith airs every Thursday at 2 p.m. Troy, last week, we uh, had, or two weeks ago, rather, we had the pleasure of having mayoral candidate Gary McCarthy on these airwaves, and he he made a point of what his vision for Chicago was in terms of uh, how he saw it to be for him. So I want to ask, coming out of the gate, um, and, and there's some other things I want to ask about, but, but your vision for this city is different than everyone else that's running or that's contemplating running. Can you talk a little bit about what you see for Chicago? Well, I want Chicago to actually have a mayor. Like, uh, that's why I'm running. I don't believe we have a mayor. I believe the bankers have a mayor. I believe that the wealthy developers have a mayor. I believe that the, the law firms downtown have a mayor. That if you have money to give $50,000 to the campaign fund of Romney Emanuel, then you have a mayor. But everyday people, working folks, people who want a decent school to send their kids to, people who want uh, public safety, who want to be able to walk down the street, and the kids should be able to walk down the street and be safe, folks who want to actually get the retirement benefits they earned as city workers, they don't have a mayor. You know, you have people like Henry Feinberg, who was caught in an email exchange with the mayor, trying to push the mayor to take away even more retirement benefits than he had already taken back, than he had already taken. And then the mayor responds to this guy in email that he was forced to release as a result of a Freedom of Information Act request. Responds to this guy and says, I am the only mayor in the country who has not just cut, but eliminated a retiree benefit. He's bragging about the fact that he took the retirement health care benefits from retired city workers and sent them into poverty. And so Henry Feinberg, this wealthy uh, finance guy, he has a mayor. But those retirees, they don't have a mayor. People, who, those folks who need those health care benefits, they don't have one. And I want to be their mayor. I wanted, that's my vision, that Chicago actually has a mayor, that those kids in those South Side schools that are being shut down, they don't have a mayor. I want to give them a mayor. All folks who are getting their cars repossessed or taken away by the city because they're in traffic ticket debt, people who have to go into bankruptcy. Did you know that Chicago was the number one driver of bank? The city itself, mm-hmm. traffic tickets, are the number one driver of bankruptcy in this city. And so the folks who are going into bankruptcy as a result of debt to the city government itself, they don't have a mayor, and I want to be their mayor. So that's my vision, that the city actually gets a mayor and has a, a mayor that puts the government to work for them. You are a longtime uh, Chicago Public School uh, advocate, employee, former employee, you're head of the Principals uh, uh, Association, and we still have... 
an issue with Chicago public schools. Have had one for decades, but but now it's it's a little bit more pronounced. You've got forty seven roughly schools that were closed a few years ago. You've got uh, schools that are still shuttered that aren't being used. Um, not to even mention going into uh, what happened with the former CEO who 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 may or may not be in jail or going to jail. Um, when and I know how you feel about education in general. Um, do you have a an, an idea if you are mayor how long it would take you to reimagine the Chicago public school system? The question is, how long will it take us? You know, it's not for me alone to do that. I need to work for I want to build a movement to retake our government. I want to build a movement to retake our schools. And so that means connecting with everyday folks, residents who've been, there have been residents out there who've been reimagining this for decades. They've already got the plans they want for their neighborhood that have been ignored by this city. And so we have to take that philosophy not just into education, but into every aspect of city governance in terms of the, the knowledge that there have been people out there banging on the door of City Hall for decades and getting that door slammed in their face. They have the plan. They know, they know more than I ever will about what they need and what they want for housing in their communities, for education in their communities, for health care in their communities. They have the plans, but they're being ignored. So if I rely on the wisdom and the experience of the residents of this city who've been fighting for what they need and want for years, it shouldn't take too long at all. Um, but in a bigger, a bigger picture, the, the other piece is what is keeping those plans from being implemented, whether they be housing or education? What is stopping this administration from listening to residents, from doing the right thing? And that one thing, no matter what area we're talking about, is corruption. That is what is in the way. You, we, can't do, we can't implement that vision if we have a corrupt government. We can't implement that vision if we have a government that's bought and sold and the people buying it, want their, they want their vision implemented. You know, when they contribute $100,000 to the mayor's campaign fund, it's because they want the mayor to spend $100 million on them mm -hmm. and not on us. Mm -hmm. So we have to get that money, that corruption, out of this city. When I was principal at Blaine, for example, to, put this, to make this concrete, one of the reasons I began to speak out was because I had just seen this city spend $10 million on brand-new furniture for their new central offices, $20 million on a corrupt contract that now has Barbara Bird Bennett in prison, and $340 million on another corrupt contract with a custodial company that has left our schools filthy, but just happened to have given Rahm Emanuel a quarter of a million dollars for his campaign. So when they spend that money on their campaign donors, guess who they took that money from? Guess where they got it from? They got it from schools across the city who saw their budgets cut in order to send that money toward the mayor's campaign contributors. So we at Blaine, for example, lost three-quarters of a million dollars, while Aramark got $340 million, right? So corruption has a consequence, and the consequence of corruption is that the money doesn't get spent on the resources that the children need 
to realize their full potential. The money doesn't get spent on the resources that folks who need affordable housing need in order to have some sort of stable place to live. The money doesn't get spent on economic development in communities that are blighted because of corruption. So that is the central driving cause of most of the problems this city has to deal with. And so whether it's education or any other issue, that will be a major focus of our administration, getting corruption out of this government. I agree. Um, but you're in this game right now. Um, the mayor's amassed a giant pile of cash. Um, some of the other candidates are putting the pieces together in terms of money. Um, <clears throat> when people look at your candidacy, I, I, they're, they're really into your messaging. Um, how do you combat or how are you going to approach your campaign um, in terms of fundraising, if you if you don't want to get donations from the big corporations, how are you going to approach fundraising, and how are you going to close the gap, which is um, Rahm Emanuel being able to be on television every two and a half minutes, um, being able to get stories in the newspaper, to buy ads, to buy boots on the ground, to you know you know pay for his campaign and his message to get out. How do you combat that? I think a strong message to begin with. I don't need I don't need to peak right now. I need to get a strong message out right now. I look at the Bernie Sanders model. Bernie Sanders came out with a very strong and a very original message and it was also based in anti corruption. But it was it was strong, it was visionary, it was bold and it was radical. And we have to look at this city and Think about what that kind of message looks like for Chicago. And if we're able to project that message, if we're able to barnstorm this city and get that message out, I think we'll get the, you know, you need three things to win a campaign. You have to have a message, you have to have money, and you have to have the members or the volunteers to do your door-to-door. But for me, it all starts with the messaging. People have to have a reason to want to give. They have to have a reason to want to go door-to-door. And that reason is, first and foremost, that messaging that you come out with. And so I think if we do that, if we barnstorm this city, we can begin to build neighborhood by neighborhood, block by block, the support that we need uh, in order to be viable. And we don't have to... We don't have to close the funding gap with the mayor. We just need enough to get our message out and to reach a critical mass of people in this city. You know, I don't care how much money he has. It will only go so far. His Money can't buy amnesia. You know, people are not going to forget. There's certain people in this city just not going to forget what he's done. They're not going to forget that he has been incompetent and corrupt in his management of public institutions like our schools. They're not going to forget that he's been incompetent and corrupt in his management of the police department. They're not going. Many people are not going to forget that you can't find affordable housing here, primarily because his wealthy developer friends uh, are able to come in, buy our properties, kick people out, and they're able to do it because that's what he allows them to do. And he won't do anything uh, or, or support any kind of measures that protect the affordable housing we have or create more affordable housing. So, I mean, the money will go so far, but it, it's not going to buy amnesia. And so I don't think I have to close the gap 
I need to meet my own threshold. That threshold could be from three to five million dollars. I think in the short run, we just need a couple of hundred thousand to get ourselves off the ground. I was actually doing fundraising calls right before you guys called me. Dialing for dollars. Uh, Nice. We're doing that work. Great. Um, So, you know, when I was first talking to Mario about you being on, he was like, yes, we, we need to talk about education. Um, and I think you're the education candidate just because of your background. But I want to give you an opportunity. Are there, um, what would you say are your top three reasons or top three um, issues that are super important to you outside of education um, that you would want to really jump into early on in your uh, mayoral term? Right, there are about three different ways I can answer that. But let me say this. When I was the principal at Johnson on the west side uh, in North London, my kids would come to school on day one of kindergarten. Years behind my kids at Blaine, where I was also a principal, in Lakeview, a wealthy neighborhood. It's day one of kindergarten, and these kids on the west side are coming in years behind these kids on the north side in Lakeview. Now, how is Johnson a failing school? They call Johnson a failing school because they show up on day one years behind. The school could not have possibly failed them if they're showing up on day one behind. They've already been failed long before they got to the school system. So to get to your question, what is it that failed them? Could it possibly be that they don't have affordable, stable housing that's safe for them. Could it possibly be that if you live in Lincoln Park, you have a 0% chance of being exposed to lead paint, but if you live on the west side in Austin and North Lawndale, your chances of being exposed to lead paint are one in four, and then you come to school with the brain-damaging impact of having been exposed to that lead paint. So as an educator, I'm able to see the impact of the city's failure to deal with these other issues outside of education because we see the impact that that failure has once these kids get to our schools. We see the impact of the fact that their parents don't have jobs, that this city isn't doing enough to invest in economic development in their communities. And so they don't have the resources that those parents in Lakeview have to expose their children to the same kind of intellectual stimulating uh, events or, or amusements or activities that those kids in Lakeview have. And so economic development would be key for me because I've seen the result of this mayor's failure to do economic development. Housing would be key for me because I've seen the result of this mayor's failure to deal with housing. And I would also say that violence in this city combined with Police accountability would also be a major one because I've seen in my role as a principal on the west side the difference or or the impact of this mayor's failure to deal with violence and the impact that that violence has on the children that come into my school. So they, they come in and the school gets called a failing school because of a failure, a systematic failure on the part of this mayor and his rubber stamp city council before they've ever reached the school system. And so those things have become priorities for me because I've seen the impact of this administration's failure to deal with it. Does that answer your question? 
lump and disruption interrupted our regular programming to interview Sonido Gallo Negro. Sonido Gallo Negro is an instrumental combo from Mexico City that captures the mystique of the 1960s with psychedelic cumbia, chicha, mambo, garage, and surf, and channels the sounds of their city's daily life. Lump and disruption appears whenever it wants. Pues uno lo que hace pues, es sepultar al ser humano para que no apeste en la fuera de la tierra, taparlos, ya. Uno de pescuezo, la pata, no hay nada de qué espantarse. A la mujer es la, la magia negra, ¿no? Por, por decirlo magia, ¿no? Tenemos nombre. Sientes un dolor intenso en, en tu cuerpo que se los encajan ellos mismos a la persona, pero a mí nunca me ha pasado nada de eso, nunca. Pero he escuchado a otras personas que sienten muy feo. Qué bueno el mal. Ahí está. <risa> O sea que ahí estaba el mar. Bienvenidos tengan todos ustedes. Mi nombre es Stephanie Manríquez y estamos en Lompen Disruptions. Estamos eh, interrumpiendo la programación regular de Lompen Radio para tener invitados especiales el día de hoy. El día de hoy nos acompaña este eh, combo instrumental de sonidos tropicales, de sonidos psicodélicos que combinan lo místico, lo esotérico, el misticismo. Ellos trabajan con cumbia, con chicha. Actualmente están integrando el mambo, pero siempre con sus raíces surf y garage. Ellos son Sonido Gallo Negro. Nos están visitando desde la Ciudad de México, desde el norte de la Ciudad de México, o zona metropolitana, podríamos decir. Y tenemos a Gabriel. Así es. Hola, saludos. Gabriel López, Israel Martínez y a Enrique Truco Casasola. Bienvenidos, Hola, chicos. gracias. ¿Cómo están? ¿Cómo nos trata Chicago? Muy bien, excelente. De hecho, llevamos eh, dos fiestas grandes ya en Chicago. Ayer en el, en el Festival Mole de Mayo tuvimos una presentación que estuvo increíble. Y luego eh, hubo un DJ set de Sonido Gallo Negro a la, a la noche que también estuvo bueno. Muy bien. Tenemos a estos tres integrantes de nueve que son ustedes, es realmente un, una combinación muy especial, son musicazos que ya tienen historia dentro de la música en, en la Ciudad de México, eh, creo que todos vienen de diferentes eh, ámbitos, pero esta combinación se me hace muy inteligente, se me hace muy orgánica, que me pueden decir de sonido gallo negro. Sí, eh, pues somos una banda grande y... Eh, tiene sus pros y sus contras a la hora, por ejemplo, de viajar. Pero bueno, estamos eh, los nueve y ya estamos aquí. Ahora estamos tres, pero sí, eh, somos una banda que, que principalmente nos formamos como un núcleo de amigos, como de, 
de gente que compartía los mismos gustos musicales y también pues artísticos y bueno estamos integrados también por un diseñador que es eh, Jorge Alderete que al rato estará dando una plática eh, sobre su arte ahí en, en la Catrina eh, también está Julián y Darío que también son eh, así vos eh, DJs en, en la Ciudad de México con mucha eh, actividad y, y siempre están en el DJing ahí buscando eh, joyas perdidas y bueno y lo, nosotros también eh, tenemos un pasado muy eh, underground en la Ciudad de México, sobre todo en la escena surf y, y garage en, en la Ciudad de México. Ustedes comienzan con su primer proyecto, especialmente eh, Truco y, y Gabriel, con lo que es uh, Electroplasma. Y los Espectroplasma. Espectroplasma. Sí, siempre hay... Eh, como confusión el nombre, pero es espectroplasma. Sí, es espectroplasma y, y bueno, de hecho también Israel toca ahí, eh, Julián, que no, no puede acompañarnos ahorita también. Entonces, eh, pues prácticamente tenemos ya muchos años de, de conocernos, de, de estar tocando juntos y poco a poco, a poco eh, esa, pues esa cercanía y esa... Eh, 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 pues esa amistad ha ido como, como, como creciendo y también pues los intereses de, de todos nosotros, ¿no? Hacia, pues hacia la música y lo que hacemos, ¿no? Y, y lo, que, lo que nos gusta y queremos como eh, compartir, ¿no? A, a, a toda la gente. Sí, esta primera banda es eh, tiene que 18 años, 18 años que iniciamos, entonces siempre ha sido una misma base. Iniciamos hace 18 años nosotros eh, cuatro tocando juntos. Después creamos otra banda que eh, se llama Twin Tones, que está más enfocada como al Spaghetti Western y está eh, una fusión eh, como desértica, eh, México desértico, que hemos estado pues también en activo a, a la par de Sonido Gallo Negro, pero bueno, Sonido Gallo Negro nace hace ocho años y es, eh, digamos, la banda que por el momento nos ha absorbido mucho más eh, actividad. Eh, me gustaría como hacer una breve pausa antes de que, de que comencemos a hablar sobre Sonido Gallo Negro, porque um, <coughs> sus bandas anteriores, eh, bueno, a, independientemente de que hayan sido... Um, o sean géneros distintos, ustedes tienen eh, eh, diferentes salidas para poder interpretar lo que están sintiendo o qué tipo de música quieren, que quieren experimentar, ¿no? Este, leía un poco que eh, primero era como más garage, después empezaron con sus sonidos western, ¿no? Y después como experimentar la música eh, psicodélica tropical. Uh -huh. eh, y entonces se me hace muy inteligente la manera que que cada experimento o cada proyecto tiene lo suyo. Pero hay algo que los junta mucho, aparte de ser los mismos integrantes y hasta más, uh -huh. es um, la conexión que tienen con Ciudad de México. Eh, la conexión entre, entre inyectar sonidos de la ciudad e inyectar las bandas en la ciudad. Sí, bueno... Eh... Bueno, obviamente todos eh, eh, prácticamente crecimos ahí y pues la Ciudad de México es eh, prácticamente una caja así con, con, con mucho, ¿no? O sea, te puedes encontrar de todo, ¿no? Hablando de música, hablando de arte, hablando de toda esta parte como urbana, ¿no? Entonces, eh, de alguna forma, eh, pues yo creo que 
eh, todos en algún momento nos empapamos de, de todo eso, ¿no? O sea, todo lo que vemos, todo lo que, lo que hacemos. Y, y pues bueno, fue como parte también un poco de, de, de poder este de alguna forma tratar de, de, pues no de hacer un soundtrack, pero sí como de darle ese, como ese sonido a, a toda esta parte ¿no? de, de la ciudad, todo lo que sucede, todo eh, toda la gente ¿no? que, que te encuentras en la calle, que va a trabajar, que va, eh, no sé, a la escuela, etcétera, etcétera, ¿no? Entonces, eh, de alguna forma, eh, creo que todos eh, somos parte de la ciudad, ¿no? Ya, o sea, somos como, como eh, no sé, como hay algunas células, bueno, somos como células, ¿no?, de la misma ciudad. Entonces, pues era, digo, también después de, las, eh, de los proyectos que teníamos, eh, pues realmente siempre hemos tenido como esa... Esa sed de, 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 de hacer más cosas, ¿no? De, 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 de ir, como, como decías, ¿no? Experimentando en otros sonidos y pues tratando de hacerlo de una forma como, como respetuosa, como seria, pero, o sea, con, con toda la, la, la actitud y la buena onda de, de nosotros, ¿no? De nuestro... La parte antropológica de, de, de estos sonidos o de estas tres bandas, eh, Gabriel, estás más como envuelto en este tipo de cosas. Eh, hay una investigación detrás de, de cada proyecto, hay una investigación de, detrás de cada, de cada disco, e inclusive eh, el, el, el video eh, súper interesante de Cumbia Espantamuertos, ¿no? O sea, estás narrando la historia de las personas, estás haciendo una narración, estás haciendo una, sí, una investigación antropológica de la ciudad y de sus personas. Sí, eh, siempre en lo que estamos eh, haciendo, eh, tratamos de empaparnos primero, eh, sobre todo en el contexto musical y también social, cultural, y después lo tratamos de masticar un poco y ya cuando pensamos que ya está como más molidito o que lo entendemos mejor, nos adentramos a pues tratar de componer piezas eh, originales, no, no solamente hacer como el, el cover o la versión de alguna canción, sino intentar... Eh, pues masticar los géneros y comprenderlos y tratar de escupir algo que, que sea la pues la comprensión de nosotros, ¿no? Eso ya viendo hacia atrás también se me hace un fenómeno interesante, pero sí, eh, bueno, eh, en, el, en el caso de Cumbia Espantamuertos también el, el chico que nos hizo el, el clip, que se llama Gustavo Gamú, que es un uruguayo también radicado en la Ciudad de México, él también hizo una investigación eh, acerca de los panteoneros, los enterradores eh, del cementerio de Dolores, hay por Tacubaya en la Ciudad de México, y cómo trabajaban toda esta cuestión de la magia negra y de los trabajos como vudú o, o de, de algunas como pues sectas ahí, entonces cuando conoció a, a la banda, cuando nos conocimos, pues prácticamente su, su documental y, y la música eran como, eh, pues se acoplaban perfecto, ¿no? Entonces es así como vamos encontrando a, a gente en el camino y nos vamos asociando eh, pues prácticamente con un afán muy orgánico porque no estamos como persiguiendo pues éxito o dinero, ¿no? Sino simplemente es ese como hilo conductor que, que queremos investigar, queremos eh, saciar como nuestra curiosidad y nos encontramos con gente como él, como Jorge Alderete también, que, uh -huh. que fue muy parecido como él se, se une a la banda. 
Y bueno, eso es lo que nos, nos gusta, nos llena y es como la primicia para hacer nuestra música. Jessica. Oh, hey, dude. What's happening across the street? A parking lot party? That doesn't look like a bank function. No, it's not the bank. It's Kyle. Kyle is throwing a parking lot party? Where is he? Oh, he's right over there. I can't believe this. He knows I'm trying to establish a legitimate Hey, goofballs. Do you want to experience technologically advanced sweetness? Excuse me? By using quantum optics, I have created a new strain of sugar called the pearl. Here, try a free sample. Uh, thanks. No, this is delicious. Hold on. Why don't you go back inside? What the heck are you doing here, Kyle? I'm so glad you asked because you know what? You've had your parties. You've had your lumpin' nose beef thingy. You've had your Labor Day party. And, and you've had that weird space buster thing down the block. But guess what? Now I got my party, and it's called Bridgeport Nose Candy. And we got China and her pushcart full of artisanal candies sitting right there selling candy. And all the funds are that we raise are going to go to... Uh, yeah, here's, here's a flyer. Bridgeport Nose Candy. Interest fees you knew about this? Oh, of course. Why didn't you tell me? Because you would have said no. What? Observe, this is what loyalty and friendships looks like. Hold on a second, Ed. Kyle, how did you pull in all these people at 20 bucks a pop? Yeah, I don't get it. It's just homemade chocolate. There's there's like 100 people here. Why don't you try this? Oh, Uh, no, no, no. no. Your friend, though, if he wants to join the party, he will have to purchase something. Show me your permit, dude. Ed, pay the lady. You gotta try this. Nah, forget him. I only serve customers who can hang. These are seriously the best. What do you you call them? These are cocoa coconut bumps. Outstanding. Best thing I've ever eaten. Jamie, are you all right? He's fine. Can you feel your soul? Yeah, Jamie. I'm getting breathing in. These are like eating little pieces of heaven. Never even thought about how cool my perception of the world has been enhanced by these little candies. What is wrong with these people? They're enjoying handmade artisanal candy. I'm actually feeling a little... Wait. Bridgeport Nose Candy. Yes. Bridgeport Nose Candy. That's right. Nose Candy. Yes. What'd you put in these cookies, China? What are you talking about? What was that? China, hey, get your hand off my cart. A police scanner. Time to blow. What? Let's roll out. Wow. Jessica, call me. Hey, no, 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 don't leave. Oh my God. Me. I love you. Hey, come back. Ed, you ruined it. Ed, you stupid. Thanks a lot, Ed. She had all your money. Yeah. We were raising money for Lumpin' Radio, Ed. Lumpin' WTF Radio. Oh, I feel real weird. Is the Copro melting? Hey, that's only chocolate inside that candy, right? Oh, mostly. Say what? Whoa, the air is viscous. Go sleep it off, Ed. Guys? Whoa, the air is viscous. These are like eating little pieces of heaven. 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 I need your candy. 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 
I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need your candy. This week on the Trump Diaries, Trump cancels a summit with North Korea, lashes out at 13 angry Democrats, claims migrant children are not innocent, says some NFL players should leave the country, and sees his favorite TV show abruptly canceled. These are the Trump Diaries. Day 490, May 24th. Trump suddenly canceled the planned nuclear summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, accusing the country of, quote, tremendous anger and open hostility toward America. Korea had referred to Vice President Mike Pence as a political dummy in a recent communique. The move caught Trump's advisors off guard and threw the Korean Peninsula into chaos. North Korea reacted cautiously to the news with an unusually moderate response that hoped the sides could in fact meet. Observers thought that Trump canceled the meeting to avoid personal humiliation. In the hours before the meeting's cancellation, North Korea had dynamited its only known nuclear test site in front of a score of international journalists. No independent observers were allowed to witness the explosions, which do appear to be reversible. Trump signed the largest rollback of federal banking regulations since the 2008 financial crisis. The legislation removes many small banks from the stress test set up under the Dodd-Frank Act and essentially removes capital requirements from all but 10 financial institutions in the United States. Jared Kushner received a security clearance today, nearly 18 months after background checks began. Trump doubled down on his criticism of migrant children, claiming they are not innocent and claiming these children lead to increased gang crime. Trump also said he would sign no bill on DACA or immigration reform without, quote, a real physical wall on the border. And Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, received a secret payment of at least $400,000 to arrange talks between Trump and the president of Ukraine. Those meetings occurred at the White House last June. Cohen has denied making the payment. A federal judge ruled Trump cannot block people on Twitter over their political views because doing so violates the First Amendment. It is unclear what effect this will have on his Twitter feed. And the White House initially did not invite Democrats to a private briefing on an FBI informant implicated in the Russia investigation. Instead, a delegation led by House Republican Devin Nunes was invited. Sarah Huckabee Sanders says Democrats weren't invited because they didn't specifically ask for details about the informant. That decision was later reversed under pressure from the Senate's Gang of Eight. And the NFL released a new policy on players and national anthems, saying players will be fined if they kneel during the national anthem. Players will be allowed to remain in the locker room during the anthem. The news, which was immediately contested by the NFL Players Union, was seen as a sop to Trump. Many felt the NFL caved. Trump tweeted that the NFL had done the right thing and that players who protested or remained in locker rooms should leave the country. Day 491, May 25th. Mitch McConnell, in a slap at the White House, said he supports the Mueller investigation. McConnell suggested the Justice Department's Inspector General investigation would provide additional information. Said McConnell, I support both of them. I don't really have anything to add to the subject based on the Gang of Eight briefing that we had today, which was classified. After the unusual closed-door meeting with Rod Rosenstein, Adam Schiff and Lindsey Graham both took shots at Trump. 
said Schiff, there is no evidence to support any allegation that the FBI or any intelligence agency placed a spy in the Trump campaign. Graham said, quote, a confidential informant is not a spy. Trump has been trying to make Spygate a thing. Robert Mueller is investigating Trump advisor Roger Stone's finances, including his tax returns. Stone claims he has not been contacted by the special counsel's office and that he played no role in any collusion with Russia. However, Stone attempted to find out if WikiLeaks' Julian Assange actually had damaging information on Hillary Clinton, and Mueller is aware of this fact. And CNN is reporting that Julian Assange may be forced to quit the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Assange sought asylum there after reports he would be extradited to either Sweden or the United States. Day 492, May 26th. Trump stunned lawmakers with the news that he had reached a deal to keep Chinese telecom giant ZTE alive. The deal would allow ZTE to pay a fine as punishment for violating international sanctions. That deal is already drawing heavy fire from Congress, led by Republican Marco Rubio, who notes the firm repeatedly broke security sanctions and lied to investigators. The deal came after reports that a firm linked to the Chinese government invested some $50 million into a troubled Trump Organization property in Indonesia. ZTE has close ties to the Chinese government. Documents obtained by NBC corroborated a report in The Observer of London that Trump's associates hired a shadow ops firm from Israel in an attempt to discredit both Obama and the Iran deal. That firm, Black Cube, attempted to obtain evidence of improper behavior among the Obama administration and its dealmakers. Notably, Black Cube was also hired by Harvey Weinstein to intimidate his accusers. Day 493, May 27th. Eight months after a crushing failure on Obamacare repeal, a coalition of conservative advocacy groups are pushing for yet another attempt. The replacement plan is said to give individual states more control over health care policy. Analysts say the plan would greatly add to the number of uninsured and cripple health care markets. Trump angrily tweeted that a New York Times article about the North Korean summit cited a sort who, quote, doesn't exist. In fact, the source was White House official Matthew Pottinger, who had said on background that it would be impossible for Trump to go forward with his June 12th summit with North Korean leaders due to the complexity of the situation. Pottinger was reportedly nonplussed to find out he didn't exist. It was revealed that China avoided Ivanka Trump's company seven new trademarks just days before her father vowed to find a way to save the Chinese telecom giant ZTE. Those trademarks span a wide range of businesses. Ivanka Trump already holds more than a dozen trademarks in China as multiple pending trademark applications. Trump himself holds 100 trademarks in the country. Giuliani said that Trump's Spygate conspiracy theory is part of a campaign aimed at discrediting the Mueller investigation in the eyes of the public. Giuliani admitted, quote, it is for public opinion because eventually the decision here is going to be to impeach or not impeach. Members of Congress are going to be informed a lot by their constituents, and so our jury is, as it should be, is the American people. Day 494, May 28th. The on-again, off-again North Korea summit may be on again after an extraordinary meeting between North and South that signaled the Hermit Kingdom's need to make a deal. In response, American envoys crossed into North Korea to prepare for the summit, which had been scheduled for June 12th in Singapore, until Trump suddenly canceled it. Trump claimed that Robert Mueller's team will meddle in the 2018 midterm elections. Quote, the 13 angry Democrats, plus people who worked eight years for Obama, working on the rigged Russia witch hunt will be meddling with the midterm elections, especially now that Republicans stay tough are taking the lead in polls. There was no collusion except by the Democrats. In fact, Democrats are leading in the generic ballot. And the FBI has made an unusual and urgent request. Reboot your home internet router. American routers have apparently been compromised by a Russian-owned malware of the same type used to hack the Democratic National Committee's emails. Simply turning the routers on and off is enough to foil the malware. 
Day 495, May 29th. The Trump administration apparently lost track of nearly 1,500 unaccompanied immigrant children in 2017. The acting assistant secretary of the administration of children and families claimed the agency was not legally responsible for those missing children. Health and Human Services tried to claim the children are not lost, saying their sponsors, quote, simply did not respond or could not be reached when they were called. Trump has been making a case for separating immigrant children from their families at the border. Trump claimed earlier this week that these children are, quote, not innocent. The White House reversed course again, saying it would impose tariffs and other punitive measures on Beijing. The White House issued a statement saying the USA would move ahead with its plan to impose 25% tariffs on $50 billion worth of imported Chinese goods, intensifying pressure on both countries as trade talks continue and as a summit between the USA and North Korea looms. Trump is apparently stung by criticism that he is, quote, soft on China. ABC suddenly canceled its highest rated show following a racist tweet from its star. Roseanne Barr tweeted a racist message about a former Obama advisor, Valerie Jarrett, comparing her to an ape. ABC acted swiftly, removing the hit sitcom Roseanne from their lineup. Roseanne had been a smash hit this season. ABC had expected to make $60 million off it in upfronts. Disney, which owns ABC, concurred with the decision. And Missouri Republican Governor Eric Greitens suddenly announced he will resign from office. Greitens was embroiled in an extramarital affair and was facing possible impeachment. The 43-year-old former Navy SEAL and Rhodes Scholar had been viewed by some Republicans as a future presidential candidate. And a new study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found the actual death toll in Puerto Rico from Hurricane Maria was 4,645, grotesquely higher than Trump's official estimate of just 64. Day 496, May 30th. It was revealed that Trump pressured Attorney General Jeff Sessions to undo his recusal from the Russia probe, a move that is not only unprecedented, but likely illegal. It has emerged as a key point of inquiry for Mueller as well, and underscores how Sessions is now a key material witness. Trump doubled down on the report aired in the New York Times, tweeting that he wished he had picked another lawyer to be his attorney general. Trump has apparently harped on and on about Sessions' recusal, arguing bizarrely that Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, would have been loyal to his boss. A report in The Guardian said the Trump administration is actively discouraging scientific discussion of climate change and has proposed messaging against it. An internal White House memo revealed the only three options Trump is considering when it comes to dealing with federal climate change reports. They are, one, consider debating the established science, two, cast out on the scientists themselves, and three, simply ignore it. Representative Trey Gowdy, a senior Republican, said the FBI acted entirely appropriately in using a source inside the Trump campaign. Gowdy told Fox News, quote, I'm even more convinced that the FBI did exactly what my fellow citizens would want them to do when they got the information they got. A Republican congresswoman from Tennessee claimed pornography was a big part of the reason for the recent spike in school shootings. Representative Diane Black said, quote, it's available on the shelf when you walk in the grocery store. Yeah, you have to reach up to get it, but there's pornography there. A poll conducted by Vox found that 60% of Americans don't think the Mueller investigation has found any evidence of criminality. In fact, the investigation has already resulted in five guilty pleas and 17 criminal indictments, and more are coming. These are the Trump Diaries. Cantrotiempo Radio spoke with Fernando Sica about his alter ego, Remy Yojo. Remy Yojo is a Mexico City illustrator and graphic designer that uses the light painting technique to create beautiful landscapes and vivid characters that are then projected at a large scale. 
Contratiempo with Stephanie Manriquez airs every Sunday at 9 a.m. and rebroadcasts every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Y estamos de regreso aquí en Contratiempo Radio a través del 105.5 FM, Lumpen Radio, en los estudios de Bridgeport, aquí en Chicago, en esta mañana calurosa, veraniega. Nos acompaña Charlie García, que está guiando la conversación con nuestro invitado del día de hoy, Fernando Sica, eh, mejor conocido como Rimi Yojo. Eh, viendo lo que es el eye painting y también lo que es el, el, la cultura VJ, era que me platicabas que es totalmente diferente y ahora lo entiendo que es totalmente diferente. Sí, es completamente diferente. Es, es, es eh, Para esto hay que tener un poco de, tal vez, de habilidad de dibujo o no, pero si lo vas a hacer tienes que aceptar que puedes equivocarte frente a la gente, ¿no? Uh -huh. O que tienes que, que saber que las cosas no van a salir perfecto, ¿no? Se trata de dibujar literalmente enfrente de la gente y ellos van a ver cada trazo cual, como lo hacía Bob, Rob, Bob Ross en su tiempo, ¿no? Aunque esta, pues, obviamente es una técnica digital y, y no tienes que esperar a que se seque y no tienes como... <risa> eh, es otro, otra técnica totalmente. Pero sí, digamos que es como la intersección entre ilustración, eh, un poco de animación y también cumple la función de, de, de ser BJ, ¿no? Entonces es una, una intersección entre esas tres cosas y hay que mediar entre ellas para que todo salga bien, uh -huh. acompañando la música. Idealmente, a mí me gusta acompañar a músicos, pero también parte importante de lo que hago es intervenir edificios. Es, es eh, realmente divertido y importante como para mi carrera poder eh, eh, coleccionar estas fachadas. En vez de estar publicando ilustraciones, no sé, en plataformas digitales o en, en soportes tradicionales, para mí la colección es de edificios intervenidos, ¿no? Esos son mis lienzos, eh, esa es mi, pues, mi galería, los edificios. Uh -huh. Y bueno, a comparación de la cultura de a la cual yo he estado más expuesto, eh, bueno, eh, lógicamente tú tienes un, un proceso de preparación, pero yo creo que, yo como VJ creo que es, le tengo que meter más, porque es este, preparar videos o, o bien espera como lo que sucedió allá. El festival de House Music aquí en Chicago estuvo gigante. Y bueno, era, eh, es más como uh, estuve esperando muchos archivos. La, eh, los artistas o los DJs me mandaban archivos y algunos de ellos tuve que formatearlos. Uh, y algunos de ellos pues eran, la mayoría son de la vieja escuela. Y les costaba mucho trabajo como que... Eh, comprimir archivos o mandar archivos, entonces al final alguien llegó con un USB y me lo dio y entonces estuve en este momento, momento de presión de estar bajando el archivo y estar eh, comprimiéndolo y al mismo tiempo programarlo, entonces uh, digo lo que tú haces eh, es, es, para mí es más libre, ¿no? De que tú tienes la decisión de lo que quieres hacer, lógicamente tienes un poquito la responsabilidad de ir con la música, pero básicamente tú eres como que le, eres libre de hacer lo que tú, lo que tú quieres hacer en, en los edificios o en los proyectos que tú tienes. A comparación del BJ, cuando es algo a comisión, sí es un poco, un poco más de trabajo, yo lo, yo lo veo así. Ya, aunque en realidad también tener esta libertad es como siempre, ¿no? La hoja en blanco es aterrador, ¿no? Es, es, y, y más si vas a tener una hoja tan grande como un edificio, pues también llenar eso es, es también intimidante, ¿no? Entonces... 
sí, sí hay que planearlo, evidentemente hay que, que pensar cómo vas a llenar una hora ¿no? de, de visuales y si los vas a estar dibujando. El proceso aquí es más lento, no, no tienes eh, la inmediatez de, de bajar videos eh, y, 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 bueno, y dejarlos correr, sino que tienes que ir dibujando cada cosa para que se vaya construyendo una pieza final, ¿no? Entonces, creo que sí es... Eh, son, son cosas muy distintas, ¿no? No, ¿no? Se puede comparar, pero también al final el, la base es la ilustración y el dibujo, uh -huh. ¿no? Eh, bueno, básicamente uh -huh. eso. Yo creo que lo podríamos comparar con... Eh, lo comparar eh, DJ o a productor este, o a músico electrónico, que Ajá. son que es, es básicamente lo mismo, ¿no? Un DJ tiene que preparar sus tracks, mientras un músico electrónico en vivo tiene que preparar sus, sus, ah, sus instrumentos, sus, sus patches, sus cables y todo eso, ¿no? Es, es eso. Um, decíamos que es la segunda vez que nos visita Remillojo aquí en Chicago, el cual, eh, digo, para muchos de los uh, que viven aquí eh, es algo nuevo, y claro, nos, lo que nos interesa es exponer cosas en Latinoamérica, ¿no? Cosas nuevas con tecnología. Y, y no solamente la tecnología, también... Cremillejo eh, eh, tiene eh, esta presentación en la cual también tiene los, los, este, los trajes, ¿no? Eh, y a la hora de que él está proyectando, también ves a esta, esta persona, este personaje enigmático... Eh, en el cual tú lo ves con vestuarios y... Bueno, ex explícanos acerca de los vestuarios porque también es otra cosa que impacta. Eh, sí. Porque a la, a la vez que estás poniendo atención a las visuales, también estás poniendo a la atención a, a ti, a lo que haces en claro. el escenario. Pues sí, mira, yo, yo utilizo vestuarios en, en cada una de mis proyecciones. La idea empezó... Un poco es como querer ser quien quiera en ese momento, ¿no? Ser, ser inventar un personaje... Para mí es muy divertido y, y imaginar trajes es, es también divertido. Yo trabajo esto con, con la diseñadora textil Itzel Gutiérrez y con ella, bueno, planeamos máscaras y vestuarios para, para cada performance. Todo es hecho a mano, es bordado a mano o teñido, son todas técnicas textiles. Y la idea de esto es crear este personaje misterioso que, que finalmente es un personaje de luz, es un hechicero de luz que que trae a la vida estos personajes a la... Bueno, hace este, estos conjuros de luz y aparecen estas bestias, estos dragones gigantes en las paredes, ¿no? Hace, hace crecer plantas en los edificios, en, en edificios totalmente grises, los tapiza de plantas y flores coloridas. Esa es un poco la idea de Rimillojo, es, es este hechicero de luz que... que que, que finalmente el, el dibujo es el performance, ¿no? El, yo lo que quiero es que el dibujo también se entienda como un performance, es dejar el escritorio atrás, es lo que uh -huh. siempre digo, ¿no? Es para mí dejar el escritorio atrás ha sido muy importante porque eh, yo siempre he sido muy perfeccionista haciendo ilustraciones, digamos, en técnica tradicional y la idea de este proyecto es dejar un poco esa parte perfeccionista y lanzarse un poco más a, a la aventura frente a la gente y, y que vean el proceso sin, sin cuidar tanto los detalles, ¿no? Sin, sin borrar y demás cosas. Entonces, eh, es un performance en toda la extensión de la palabra. Eh, la idea es que la gente también con el vestuario sepa que alguien está detrás de, de estos dibujos, ¿no? Mucha gente podría pensar que es 
un video en el que se está creando la, la ilustración, ¿no? A veces la uh -huh. gente se confunde, como justo lo dices, es algo nuevo, pues no, tal vez no, no tienen por qué saberlo, pero un poco que los vestuarios ayudan a que, a que sea evidente que, que se está creando la pieza en vivo. Entonces, con estos vestuarios, eh, al final es muy divertido y, y es algo que, que a mí como creativo también me gusta poder explorar técnicas eh, textiles junto con Itzel, para crear cosas nuevas, ¿no? No nada más quedarme en la parte de ilustración o animación, sino hacer cosas físicas que, que vayan con el concepto del proyecto. So, yo soy mucho de conceptos, mm -hmm. me encanta como explorar todo esto y, y, y bueno, qué más que, que hacerlo con textiles, que al final también es una forma de, no de ilustración, pero es una forma gráfica, ¿no? Los, los textiles, los hilos, los colores, todos los tejidos también representan ideas y, y son parte de, de una cultura visual, entonces, mexicana, ¿no? También tratamos de hacer cosas que no, no siempre son mexicanas, a veces son más orientales, a mí me gusta mucho lo japonés uh -huh. y, lo, y todo lo oriental, lo hindú, entonces tratamos de incorporar como ideas un poco de allá, un poco de México y, y, y utilizando materiales tal vez... Eh, poco convencionales o técnicas como el termofijado, haciendo trajes con texturas, ¿no? De, uh -huh. de, de esferas y de bolitas, no sé, es, es experimentar. Sí, en la actualidad, ¿cuántos trajes llevas? ¿O Tengo, depende, depende de la presentación? Depende de la presentación, tenemos cuatro trajes, tampoco son tantos, pero bueno, vamos poco a poco creando, una vez que ya utilicé un traje, varios performances decidimos crear otro, ¿no? Entonces, eh, tratamos de que el siguiente traje sea totalmente distinto y, y eso es lo, lo divertido de todo esto. The Lumpen Week in Review is produced by the staff and volunteers of WLPN LP Chicago, the community radio of the future. Lumpen Week in Review is overseen by Logan Bay. Produced and engineered by Jamie Trecker. The Lumpen theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. Lumpen Radio Sting by Dan Jugal. Voiceovers by Ed Marzuski, Jamie Trecker, and Shanna Van Volt. For more information on Lumpen Radio, visit lumpenradio.com. Lumpen Radio broadcasts on 105.5 FM in the Chicago area and worldwide via lumpenradio.com. Yeah.